Oh, fuck. They fucking homered again. Yep. The fuck? There's a fucking shot, too. It's like upper deck. Yeah, my Nesson's not working right now, and I'm not happy about it. Last time I saw an upper deck that glorious, I took a shit in the tank at a party. It's great. A lot of people that own the toilet didn't think so. Theme song! Ladies and gentlemen, we are Tonight, we are going to witness the most anticipated match in the history of professional wrestling. And this is... Jason is here. Dude, I, I swear to God, I'm not as big an asshole as it sounds like. Troy is here. Hey, I call them like I see them, all right? And Taz is here. I mean, Sal is here. Taz. Look at it this way. The first thing we've done together as a team. I grab my dick, you grab your dick. You work my arm, I work your arm. Same time. Same time. It's like jerking off together, but not gay. We're not touching dicks. Each other's dicks anyway. I'm touching my dick. You're working it, and I'm loving it. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. It is the Rundown Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Troy. With me today, as always, Jason's here. I am, and this is uh, this is going to be an angry episode, I think. Probably, probably. And also joining a special guest from the WrestleMania Salvation Podcast, Sal is here. If you're looking for angry... I have arrived. And if you want angry, you can check out his Twitter feed at Salamania Taz. Uh, no, I changed it this week. It's WrestleMania Salami. Okay. <laughs> uh, speaking of some big salami, we start off the show uh, with some with some sad news, as the world is now mourning the loss of Big Van Vader. That is right. The three-time IWGP heavyweight champion, the former... Uh, whoops, I missed it. Uh, WCW heavy, three-time heavyweight champion, one-time WCW United States champion, and Slammy Award winner in the WWF, Big Van Vader passed away at the age of 63. Now, uh, Leon White, obviously we knew, had been going through some uh, some difficulties with some health problems. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so on June 18th, he was uh, hospitalized for pneumonia and he actually passed away so um if we uh if, if jason wants to do some editing we'll put in a 10 bell salute otherwise we'll just say you know what uh, what do we remember most about about big van vader uh jason great sam <laughs> <laughs> uh, um his epic lightsaber duel with luke skywalker um Wait, no, no, that's that's a different guy. What do you mean? He said Vader. Uh, this is Big Van Vader. This is his brother. Ah, uh, oh, oh, oh. Um, yeah, no. Um, I, I remember seeing old old pro wrestling illustrated magazines when I was younger, and seeing um, the pictures of Vader and the dimensions 
of his matches in Japan against guys like Stan Hansen, uh, big stars over there, and, and the images of that fucking mask that he wore and the smoke flying out of it and all that shit. And I remember thinking, this guy's a badass. Uh, then he came to WCW, and they booked him like just an absolute killing machine. Uh, it was outstanding. I thought he did really well there. Um, of course, the first guy to put over an African-American for the World Heavyweight Championship when uh, he was he did the job, J-O-B, for Ron Simmons. Um, headlined a Starcade against Ric Flair and, and what was a really anticipated and cool match at that point. Uh, he went to WWF, and it all kind of went downhill from there. Of course, he had the, the main event run with Shawn Michaels sort of early in his career, and then after that, you know, they had him on TV calling himself a big, fat piece of shit, um, obviously not utilizing him to the best of his abilities. Uh, and then sort of in, became a bit of a um, punchline of late, just sort of playing, trying to kayfabe the world over the Internet and just sort of being strange and his behavior was weird. And uh, like I said, we all were aware of his health issues. So obviously uh, he's definitely one of the all-time great big men in the history of the wrestling business, and he will be missed. And uh, rest in peace. Yeah, and to... Just kind of piggyback off of that. I, my first exposure was in WCW. I, I think it was a match against Sting. Um, this guy looked like a monster. He was a dominant force in WCW, much as Jason mentioned. Uh, and, and I was excited to see what they were going to do. I was excited that the WWF signed him in early '96. And I was definitely curious as to what was going to happen with that. But as we all know, it definitely didn't take the turn that I thought it would take. You know, I actually liked his main event run with Shawn Michaels that summer, but they could have done so much more. But for me, Vader will always be the guy who had that giant black Mastodon mask. And, you know, he fought Sting, he fought Flair, he fought Ron Simmons. And that's the Vader I'll remember. So definitely R.I.P. And the one we didn't even mention in that whole thing, uh, the classic uh, storyline with Cactus Jack where he powerbombed him on the outside without the mats, and it was like this devastating move, and you look sort of in the context of the shit that they do these days, and it's like, oh, so he powerbombed him on the floor. Who gives a shit? But uh, they did the whole amnesia gimmick, and it was just a, it was a big, huge angle at the time. So. Yep. I, of course, remember him from the 1979 Super Bowl where he was a center for the Los Angeles Rams. And let us, of course, not forget his appearance on Boy Meets World. Ah, yeah. That's true. Good That's true. Um, but yeah, the, we will miss uh, Big Van Vader, and so will the Indies, where he's still been working up until his death. Hey, he worked with All Will right. Ospreay not that long ago. That was part of the whole... He did this whole thing where he was really critical of the Will Ospreay-Ricochet match, and they so it was mm-hmm. basically the whole thing was just a gimmick to, to work into getting himself a payday. And he, he had sort of been all very adept at doing that, and... Wasn't wasn't all that long ago he was doing angles with Heath Slater on Raw. It was only a few years ago, so. Right. Yeah, and of course he was one of the pioneers of the big guy who can still do top rope moves. So. Yep, Moonsault was, was phenomenal. Yeah, paved, paved the way for guys you know um, such as Bray Wyatt, Kevin Owens. Yeah, uh, obviously Killian Dane is a big one as well. Um, but yeah, so. Um, speaking of um, some guys who got to start in NXT, we had two. Big shows this past weekend. We're starting off with uh, the NXT TakeOver Chicago presented by Fuck CM Punk Productions. 
And here is the results that we had. Uh, we had the NXT Tag Team Championship match as the Undisputed Era defeated Orny Lurkin and Danny Birch. As successfully predicted by myself, um, this was, tr- to me, one of the, the sort of unsung matches on this card. I thought this was outstanding way to open. And I don't think anybody went into this expecting Lurkin or Birch to really have a shot of capturing the title here, but I think they came out of it much better than they went into it in terms of, of sort of credibility with the fans and ability to be considered for that, that run in the future. And who knows? Maybe they'll, defe- maybe they'll defeat the Undisputed Era for the championship at the next takeover. I doubt it. Uh, no, this was a great match. I, I, I got to tell you that Danny Birch has been in and out of developmental for you know on and off against six, seven years. So it was great to see him get a spot on the takeover card. Um, I thought Kyle O'Reilly was fucking amazing in this match. It, it, and there were certain points that I kind of bought in. I was kind of like, oh, shit, maybe they're going to give them the belts. Um, but it was a great match, great opener. And definitely that crowd was into it. Can I can I just say, Oni Lorcan needs to stop doing things like fucking blockbusters off the apron to the floor if he wants to <sighs> prolong his career. Yeah, does he though? And that was yeah, a, it was a slam onto the fucking hardest part of the the ring there. Yeah. Yeah, he went all out in the match because obviously he doesn't get that much screen time in NXT, uh, um, and obviously isn't even usual. Five lives, and we'll see where uh, where that kind of goes. Moving right along, I'm just going to continue to do this in order as it, uh, on our rundown sheet here. Uh, the Alistair Black successfully defended the NXT Championship against Lars Sullivan. Um, this match, of course, featured uh, an incredibly bad whiff by Alistair Black as he tried to kick Lars Sullivan in the face. No, no, I heard I heard it make contact. I clearly heard flesh on flesh. Flesh of my flesh, blood of my blood. All Great my album. Homies get down like what? <laughs> I think this was the best match that you were gonna get Ugh. out of out of uh, you know one Lars Sullivan. I, I don't necessarily care much for how Alistair's been booked since he won the title. It feels like he beat Almas and then hasn't really done shit else since. This is his first takeover since winning the championship, dude. Here's the problem with this fucking thing, is that his title reign happens to fall in lockstep with the Johnny gargano Tommaso Ciampa feud, which sort of overshadows everything else on the entire brand. Yeah, um, that's true. At a certain point, that feud's going to end. you got to think Alistair's going to still have that title, and then we'll sort of get a better feel for it and read out at that point. I personally can't wait for a potential Tommaso Ciampa versus Alistair Black program. Yeah, and I, I see that's my only concern with that is that if that program comes to fruition, totally can see them putting the belt on Champa, which is fine. It's just Alice's title reign will be pretty unmemorable at that point. But he'll be called up, so it won't fucking matter. Uh, and, of course, both Troy, both Troy and I successfully predicting Alistair Black in this one. All right. Why are you um, not talking so... about the predictions this time? Huh? So we had a Chicago street fight match that I was correct, lasted in the ring, as Tommaso Ciampa defeated Johnny Gargano. Um, and, uh, you know, this is a match that, uh, storytelling-wise, Ciampa beat Gargano before even getting in the ring because, obviously, bringing him down to his level, make, making Johnny embrace the hate. Uh, the match was 
uh boy this one this one made your teeth rattle a little bit just the the ferocity of which these guys beat the shit out of each other my real issue with this one was and it's not really the fault of the guys they worked their ass off uh, they did their part to differentiate it, but the, the concept of the match was just way too similar to the previous match. Uh, and to me, that sort of took away from we've We've sort of seen this brawl all over the place and hit each other with everything that's available stuff at the last match. Um, of course, we talked about it on the show originally, plan was for a last man standing match, but I think would have told a better story. Um, but these guys, the selling, the storytelling, and again, with these two, it's the little fucking things that they do that sort of sets them apart. Uh, Tommaso ripping off Gargano's wedding ring, spitting on it before throwing it. Uh, Candice LeRae finally coming to Johnny before the match, handing him the, the crutch and telling him kick his ass. Um, you know, I'm never a fan, and, and, w, and TNA did it for a while with the Bully Ray part of his gimmick over there. I'm never a fan of the whole rip the ring apart thing because I think. You take the mystery sort of away from it from the fans if they know what's out there. Because here's the other part of it. If you're the fans, well, why is it in any way any more devastating to get powerbombed on the pad on the concrete if that's what's under the mat? Like, it doesn't doesn't do much to serve purposes of the imagery you're trying to sell to expose that. And I don't think it really added much to anything in terms of the actual impact of the move. I love the way they told the story of uh, Tommaso getting injured. Johnny loses his shit, uh, eventually throws Tommaso in, and Tommaso takes advantage of DDTs him onto the open boards uh, for the pin. And, of course, Johnny, in classic Johnny wrestling style, I got fucking killed. Uh, let me just shake my hand like I'm having a seizure. Uh, but other than that, I love this match. I thought it was great. I just, I'm just i looking forward to seeing maybe something a little bit different from these two. Obviously, with Tommaso winning, you know there's going to be a part three somewhere down the road. So I'm going to disagree with you here, Jason, which is kind of surprising specifically on this match. Well, you're entitled to be wrong. <laughs> um, for me, this surpasses anything on TakeOver the, the, this entire year for Match of the Year. Oh, disagree. Disagree. Uh, this, 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 this wasn't even in the ballpark of Almas Gargano. The, the storytelling that they did in this match... For Gargano to embrace the hate, he just couldn't stop. He just needed to rip Champa's head off. And then Champa, you know, I I I've been watching wrestling for fucking twenty something years, and yet when he pulled off Gargano's wedding ring and spit on it and tossed it, I was like, oh, you motherfucker! He got me. He completely fucking hooked me just by doing that. And and I am happy that Champa won in the sense that we get to see a third match. And I thought it was different than their first match. I thought it, it was a lot more sense of urgency and violence in this match. But you would really put this one above Gar- Gargano and Almas. I'm a storytelling guy, man. And to me, there's nothing better Gargano than Gargano and Almas had Candice LeRae and Zelina Vega. It had the back and forth of, Tom- of, of Gargano getting his head beat in. It had the end scene with, with Ciampa making his return and taking out... Jo- like, that match had everything. I think this match had everything, too. I, I, I disagree. It was a great match. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say I, I didn't enjoy it, because I did. Uh, but I just, to me, Almas Gargano is significantly better. Okay. Well, you have Moving any thoughts on. on the match, Troy? No, not really. Okay. Um, it was... 
I think at this point, it's this feud might have gone on maybe a little bit past its prime. Um, so and most match. of thought it was the third match. No, it's the second one. We're gonna have well, the third, one. the third they've ever had. Yeah, they fought once in the Cruiserweight Classic, but yeah, that wasn't oh, part of the storyline. Okay. Um, to me, that how do you escalate past the last one? You know, how do you how do you how do you continue to escalate this past this as well? Um, but yeah, I thought I thought it was a good match. Um, I thought the storytelling wise was was good. Um, of course, they they continue to um, marginalize Candice LeRae because she's married to Johnny Gargano. <laughs> you say and, and you say how do we how do we surpass this? And to me, that's a very simple answer. Summer Live Slam, rape of Candice LeRae. SummerSlam weekend, Gargano, Ciampa. Hell in a Hell cell. Hell in a cell. Absolutely. That's right. Gargano and Champa, Candice the Rand of Hall match. Got it. All right. <laughs> All right, Vince Russo, relax. <laughs> hey, man, that's apparently who's fucking booking this shit now. Bro, bro, bro. 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 So, bro, the next match, we're going to go ahead and take this 21-year-old kid, right? And he's he's very popular. He's very charismatic. Uh, we're going to put him against this guy who does a bunch of flippy shit, right, bro? All right. And instead of, you know, doing something to have the heel, you know, maybe sneak out a win because he hasn't won in a couple of times, we're just going to have him lose his 15th straight match. How's that sound, bro? Swerve. So I was in the camp, and you and I both were in the predictions that we thought Dream would win here. Um, but here's the thing. The more I watch this match – and I'm not typically one that believes in this philosophy, but I don't know that the losses ever really hurt the dream. Um, he has the same reactions from the crowd every time. They love him. They're they're dying no, to see what he's going to do. Dumb shit. I'm, yeah, I'm I'm so sick of the whole fucking. Oh, hey, you know he's. It doesn't matter if he loses left and right. It's it's fine because you know the fans still like him. Tell that to fucking Billy Kay. Tell that to Peyton Royce, who people don't give a shit about anymore. People are gonna stop giving a shit about this guy every time he fucking loses. More and more and more is gonna chip away. Look at fucking Bray Wyatt. Everyone's like, ah, it's fine. It's fine. He's got a great character. He can lose a couple of times. Then he became a fucking jobber to everybody, and nobody gives a fuck about the guy anymore. The same thing's gonna happen to Velveteen Dream if they don't start having him fucking ch- check off some wins here. I, I disagree, and I and I will tell you why. I think throughout the history of wrestling, you can look back. There are guys who have such persona, such charisma, that they the wins and losses for them don't matter. Now, of course, you, you sit there and you'll say that about Bray Wyatt or something, but Bray Wyatt never had that level of charisma. Ric Flair almost never won an actual fucking match. He almost never fucking won. I mean, a lot of them were countouts, DQs, even time limit draws, but he almost never won fucking matches except if it was the title match. That was it. He lost, yeah. his, his one loss record was atrocious, I'm, I'm guessing, if you went back and looked at it, because that was how they booked him, to be sort of the chicken shit heel that talks a lot of stuff but can't back it up. Now, I don't sit here and think that this is the end of this program. I feel like they're going to they're gonna have another match. I feel like there's going to be somewhere along the line where, where Dream's going to win one. But speaking of Dream, Dusty Rhodes almost never won a fucking match in WWE. He always got fucking screwed over by the Million Dollar Man or the Macho Man. or Like, he constantly lost. But 
fucking Dusty Rhodes. He's over. It doesn't matter. He walks through the curtain. People fucking love him. Hacksaw Jim Duggan in WWE almost never fucking won a match. Nobody cared. They loved him when he walked through the fucking curtain. I think there are people who have the ability to transcend wins and losses. You're comparing them to Billy Kay and Peyton Royce, and I don't think that's an apt comparison because you're trying to introduce them to a new crowd. Velveteen Dream is not being introduced to a new crowd in NXT. It's a crowd that's already in love with them. He's already super over. Probably, I mean, you could make a case for him as the most over guy in that fucking brand. Um, and with with Dream, the result is almost secondary to the show he puts on, from his entrance to his promos to the things he does in the ring in the middle of the match as part of the story. Um Really, this one, it, it whether it was Ricochet or Dream, I don't really think it mattered who won this match. I think the match itself overshadowed the the decision. What uh, what year do you think that uh, Ric Flair wasn't winning many matches? Every year. Okay, just give me one. Just know. give me one year that you think Ric Flair was at his peak. I don't fucking know. Okay. I'm just saying that I'm looking at his stats, and... He's over 50% on almost every that's, year he That's all wrestled. televised bullshit. I'm talking about the, the guy was touring the territories and house shows and doing fucking J-O-Bs and no contests and 60-minute Broadways all the fucking time. All, every fucking night. He would do 60-minute Broadways, okay. no decisions, double countouts, double DQs, didn't win fucking matches. And Ric Flair himself will fucking tell you that. And that that's what got him over was because he wasn't winning, but he was still having the belt. And that's what made people fucking hate him. He's told that story millions of times. I'm just saying, I'm, I'm looking at, at the stats. I, for, I, for, all, for all events, for everything, okay. not even house shows. And I'm going to somehow go out on a limb and say that the stats kept from house shows in the 1970s and 80s probably not super accurate. Okay. All right. That's fine. Do what you got to do. I, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to take Ric Flair's word on his own that he knows more about his match history than the people at fucking cage side do. I'm just, take I'm that just for what you want. Saying. I'm just telling you what he has said in the past. Okay. All right. That's fine. I'm just saying in 1980... You know, he had 99 wins and 35 losses. That doesn't that's not that doesn't tell me that he's a guy who loses all the time. So that's all I'm just saying. Anyways, so, so, Sal, so I'm sorry. Of... What year was that? He's in 1980. Okay, so so you want me to believe that in 1980, during an era of professional yeah. wrestling where the guys were on the road 300 nights or 300 days a year. Working every single night that he had 120 matches. I mean, that right there tells you that that fucking stat is bullshit. And we lost Troy. <laughs> you made Troy butt shut down. <laughs> yeah. I made Troy. I, I, my, my take was so hot it made Troy's internet melt. Troy, you're cutting in and out, buddy, but uh, allow me to, to give a couple of points of contention to each side. Uh, first being that Jake Roberts pretty much never won any feud he was in. There goes another one. Um, now, I had been a guest on the rundown a couple weeks ago, and I did have, and I did mention that I was a little bit, tiny bit fearful that Velveteen Dream would just be a guy who does jobs for new guys coming in. 
And I understand that NXT crowd uh, loves him no matter what he does. But you know who else they love no matter what he did? Was uh, Tyler Breeze. And the problem here is that they don't stay in NXT. At some point, they come up. Now, Velveteen Dream's got a long career in front of him. He's only 21 years old. This guy is putting on matches that are, you know, candidates for the match of the year continuously every single takeover. I would like to see him beat somebody of, you know, of kind of a higher status on the card. Um, he's come very close against Aleister Black. He's come, he did a great match this past weekend with Ricochet. But, yeah, you don't want to get him into a, a pattern of, well, every time somebody new comes over, we're just going to put him against Dream and Dream will put him over. All right, all right. So all right, let me cut through all this bullshit because this is the thing. That's, this is this kind of stuff drives me nuts in the wrestling business because you hear this shit all the time. I can sit here off the top of my head and know that Bobby Roode was the NXT champion for I don't know what damn near six months. Samoa right. Joe held that title. Fucking Drew Galloway held that fucking title. Drew McIntyre held that fucking title. I don't remember a single fucking match during that reign. I can tell you every major match the Velveteen Dream has had. Because the matches themselves, the performances, have been memorable. And it doesn't matter who won or lost those matches. We sat here and fucking gushed over the fact of the way they tell the story of Aleister Black defeating Velveteen Dream. Winning the match, but Dream still got the validation he won. He got the win that he wanted, which was more important than the 1-2-3. We have told this story over and over again, and... For some reason, we're sitting here arguing that now all of a sudden, whoever gets the one, two, three is the only thing that fucking matters. There are cases in this business where that does not matter. That's all I'm saying. No, and I completely agree with you. I completely agree with that. My, I, and I, all I'm saying is you, you you can't have it happen every takeover. That's all I'm saying. Well, so he's only done, what, his third takeover. He beat Cassius Ono at the last one. Yeah, because that's a big accomplishment. So he uh, lost she, to Alistair Black, he beat Cassius Ono, and now he lost to Ricochet, who's the fucking hottest thing in the company right now. You just you just got to remember that we're in the minority of wrestling fans. The okay. wrestling fans that care about the the, the in ring quality of matches, and to a larger to a larger crowd, they do just care about who wins and who loses, who's the champion, things like that. So I think that that has to be taken into account as well. I, I I just I don't I think we've reached a point in the wrestling business where people all understand what they're what they're watching. I, I don't think we have a whole lot of people that are still it's still real to me, damn it. Um, in the same sense that I don't think people aren't going to go see the next Avengers movie because Thanos fucking killed everybody at the end of this one. <laughs> I, I think they're going to remember the story. I don't think they give a shit. I don't think the end of results impacts their enjoyment of the movie at all. True. Now, you brought up Joe and Drew McIntyre and Bobby Roode as former NXT champions that you don't remember their reigns. I didn't say or, that. I or, said I or can't their matches. None of their matches stand out to me. And I would agree with you. Um, maybe one of the Joe matches here or there with Finn Balor was decent. Uh, nothing to you know hang your hat on. But the problem is those guys' names... Everybody knows them. Everybody knows who Samoa Joe is. Everybody knows who Drew McIntyre is. So as soon as they come out on Raw, people are going to react. Dude, you had John Cena just this past week say if he could fight anyone in the fucking company, he would go to NXT to fight the Velveteen Dream. You know who else he said that about a couple of years ago? Sami Zayn. Yeah, so what does that have to do with anything? Because 
My point is, if John Cena's mentioning you, you're getting national recognition. I know, but I'm just saying you could argue that the way Zayn was booked in the main roster, you know, until his heel turn, people didn't give a shit. I disagree. I think he was incredibly over. I think they didn't book him in a situation where he was given TV time. He was never on TV. Right. Doesn't matter how fucking over you are. Go back to his match in Montreal with John Cena in the U.S. Open Challenge when he got hurt. The fucking pop was ridiculous. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So but don't like, sit here and tell me people didn't fucking care about him because they absolutely did. No, I mean, I'm on a saying national they didn't fucking care level, about they him. did. No, I'm saying that because of the booking, they didn't care about him until his heel turn. Because he was off TV, because he wasn't doing I, shit. But I, again, I disagree. When you say people didn't care about him, I don't know what your what your qualifications for that are. Because gigantic fucking pops for his debut, for his his re-return at the Royal Rumble, for his matches with Kevin Owens, he got giant fucking crowd reactions. So people clearly did care. Yeah, but we're two years removed. But from if all of that. if he's not on TV, you can't get those reactions. Agreed. I don't think Dream is going anywhere. I don't think he's going to be suddenly pulled from TV. No, because it's NXT. But so you, you can't compare thing? those two things. Right, right. But, I mean, that's the problem with NXT. Isn't the ultimate goal to get called up and be successful in the WWE? I mean, Ty, like I said, Tyler Breeze was super successful in NXT. Tyler Breeze wasn't even 25% as over as Velveteen Dream is right now. Mm. Not even close. Tyler okay. Breeze was over with the like the crowd, like the rundown crowd. We yeah. all loved him. We all loved the guy. But there were a lot of there was a good section of that NXT audience that didn't care for Tyler Breeze, that booed against him, didn't want him in that main event fatal four way, didn't think he was good enough for that spot. Um and he was never outside of that fatal four way. He was never really a top guy in the company in in, in the brand. He was more or less the guy that puts over the next big guy. Um, Dream is not that. This guy's going to be big. Adam Cole wasn't even on the phone. So, so let me ask you this. Are you better off being Velveteen Dream and losing to Ricochet, the hottest fucking name in the company right now, on a takeover, or being the brand new North American champion, Adam Cole, who isn't even on the fucking card? It's debatable. It's Very not debatable at fucking all, dude. This is my but, point. Whoa, 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 whoa. Adam Cole was showcased on the last takeover. Became the brand new North so, American champion. In a match You're where Velveteen me. Dream's elbow off the ladder is the highlight they keep fucking showing. No highlights from Adam Cole to go into that package. With what the Undisputed Era is doing right now, you're telling me in TakeOver Brooklyn... If you put Adam Cole against, let's say, EC3, that's not going to fucking, uh, you know, drive sales. That's going to be huge. I don't think it, it's not going to outshine if you have uh, Dream and Ricochet, too. It's not going to be. That's going to be the match. Okay. Well, that I can I can understand that. Troy? Shayna Baszler defended by the NXT Women's <laughs> Championship and managed to get Nikki Cross to tap out, thus continuing NXT's reign of only having one top female star as their champion and having nobody else be legitimate contenders. Didn't Talk she about pass it out rather than tap out? <laughs> well, she passed out, whatever. Um, speaking this of, was my speaking of tapping out, Troy, account. are you tapping out on this episode? or? 
Okay, then. I just think he might be having some connectivity issues, but that's okay. So does Roman Reigns. Da 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 da. I have anyway. no idea what's going on here anymore. This was my least favorite match on the card. Shane Easily. versus Nikki Cross. Easily. Uh, and I don't look. I think bo- I think Nikki Cross is a fantastic worker. I really do. But even the crowd was stopping to turn on this match at one point. Um, and maybe it's Shayna's fault because kind of will be nice and call it green. Um, but they also didn't do anything with this feud, really. Like, all of a sudden, Nikki Cross was a good guy, and she was going to fight for the title, and she's crazy. and uh, she didn't mean anything. Here's the thing. The problem this match has is the problem that far too many of the championship matches that are on not only NXT, but on WWE has. And that is the belt is not made a priority in the story. This was, ooh, Nikki's crazy. Can Shayna beat the crazy girl? It was never centered around anybody wanting the title or the title being that definitive thing that they had to have. Um, and to me, that's where it failed. Yeah, and... and um, it was just another female match. If, it if you it go back feel special. To, to two, three years ago, God, I think it might even be four at this point, when Bailey was fighting Sasha for that belt, it was about the belt. Right. It was... a. She needed to win that belt, and and Nikki Cross's character really doesn't come off like that. But you know, the only problem with Shayna in in the current state of the NXT Women's Division is who of in that division can be a legitimate challenger who wants the belt who you can get behind. You can argue Kyrie Sane, but eh. Candice LeRae. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, but I think the the other thing here is that to me that NXT women's title has been sort of devalued since Asuka just gave it up and it went to somebody who never beat the previous champion. I think that's still a black mark on that title because it's a belt that's sort of had very little meaning since Asuka left. That being said, I think Ember did all she could when she was champ. I don't really put that on her. She had a couple good matches with Shayna, but again, the belt never felt like a focal point. No, and this goes back to your point from long ago in the episode archive where you said you kill that fucking belt when you don't have Asuka drop it like is the norm. She should have dropped it at that takeover. Absolutely, especially if you're going to send her up to the main roster and have the streak essentially mean nothing and just be put over at Charlotte. The streak didn't mean anything, then there's no reason to, to continue it in NXT. Yep. Troy? I just think that we've... It's been a long time since we've had more than one contender for the Women's Championship. It's been a lot of, this is the main chick, everyone else is secondary. This is the new main chick coming up, so we got to find a way to Either have the new chick take it off the old chick or, you know, have bring the new chick up and have her drop the belt. So, you know, it's it's been a while and it's been the same kind of thing. It's been the same kind of thing with the NXT championship as well, where you continue to go through where it's like, now it's Finn's show. Okay, well, Finn's done. Now it's Samoa Joe's show. Now it's Shinsuke's show. You know, now we had a little bit of time there where it was like, you know, McIntyre Al- or Almas. And now we're to Alistair Black, and you're like, well, now it's Alistair Black's show. And nobody else seems like a competent 
contender for it, but maybe maybe it'll be Ricochet's show next kind of thing because well, he seems to be the hottest new thing. Well, we're saying it's Alistair Black's show, but again, to, to the point we made earlier, he's not even the focal, the main story of the show. It's Gargano Ciampa still. So um, to your point about the women, I, I'd say they're, to me, it seems like they're doing more nowadays to try to create more female focal points on the show. I mean, they're giving storylines and time to Lacey Evans and uh, Kyrie Sane. They're giving storylines and time to Bianca Belair. Um, they're pushing stuff with Dakota Kai. So it feels like they are sort of trying to develop the next group uh, all at once. So that might be a payoff, and that might be a payoff coming towards the end of the year where these all these women do feel like real contenders. But I do understand what Troy's saying, because you go back to that fatal four-way with Charlotte and, Be- and Becky and Sasha and... Um, Oh God! Now I forgot the other fourth horsewoman. <laughs> but that—I mean—that's that, a yes. section of time when you had the confluence of four just really top, ready and prime talents, and all in their prime at the same time in the same place. Similar to when WWE had The Rock and Austin at the same time, yeah. both at that level. Um, that's rare. It doesn't happen. You're lucky to have one of those people at the same time, and when it does happen, it's special and it's memorable. But that doesn't mean it's never good again. Right. But but I do understand the idea of having multiple contenders. Um, people like you want to feel like there's a there's a few people fighting for the title. And in the women's division in NXT right now, you could push Lacey Evans next up to that level. But she's a heel. So it doesn't really work with Shayna. Dakota Kai's already been kind of pushed back a little bit. I guess conceivably the next challenger would be Kyrie Sane. Bianca Belair is going to be a big thing in NXT at some point soon. But that's that's what I'm kind of saying though is that right now it feels like nobody is on the same level as, as Shayna. It feels like everyone else is kind of a step down from that. And what what I would like to see is like yeah you're talking about oh they've got Kyrie and Lacey doing a, a thing with each other but. They don't feel like they're on the same level as Shayna, and neither one of them have really gotten like the upper hand. Shayna is booked as like this kind of uh, this bulldozer in the division that she just keeps beating people. And it's like, all right, she beat Nikki Cross, and then okay, her next contender, she'll probably beat them, and then the next one should probably beat them, and then maybe then somebody else will have kind of worked their way up up to be at her level at that point. But you know, it's it's not like it like it has been in the past where there's been multiple contenders. Even I'm talking multiple contenders that aren't in the same like league as other people. You know, I mean, we've had it before where there was a couple of different you know like NXT contenders, but you know, when you're like, oh, well, Tyler Breeze is kind of kicking around there, or, or this guy and that guy kind of thing, is what I'm saying. Is that right now it just feels like we're at we're at another point like like it was with Asuka's reign where it was like this is just another person to kind of feed to her to kind of continue her streak before she moves on to the next person. Well, I mean, the... this was Shayna's first takeover defense. I mean, it's not like she's had this prolonged string of of just mowing people down. It's it this is still relatively new in this storyline. True, but she had but I understand what he's saying. She she's being booked as like a kind of like the the bulldozer right now. She's going through everybody, whether it's whether it's uh, Dakota Kai, whether it's Kyrie Sane, whether it's uh, Nikki Cross. She lost to Kyrie Sane, 
in the May Young Classic like, almost a year ago at this point. Right. She went through Dakota Kai, and Dakota Kai at this point is a mid Carter, and she's had through Ember Moon too. Yeah, and, and two incredibly competitive matches, and after Ember Moon beat her the first time. We'll see. We'll see what they have for Shane. I, I just I feel it feels sort of like we're reaching a point here where we're just looking for things to complain about in NXT because <laughs> it's been so much better than WWE. Uh, but I, I just look. I'm not a big huge fan of Shane. I don't think she's she's really quite ready for the in terms of her in ring performance for the role that she's been given. But I understand why she's been given that role. They are in the process of sort of having to rebuild that women's division. It's never really fully been rebuilt from the time Charlotte and Bailey and Becky and Sasha left. Um, you had Asuka, who sort of treaded the water for a while, and you had the Iconics, who were sort of on the fringe. But even then, we were complaining about how they were never on TV. Uh, so you've always sort of had one focal point for the women with a bunch of other people floating around. I just don't see it being any different now than it's ever really been. That doesn't make it good or bad. And I think that it suffers from the same thing that the tag team division suffers on a lot of times too, where you've got kind of one or two teams that are given the focal point. Yeah, you might see some other guys here and there, but they're not they're not presented in the same manner. Whereas, you know, like the Undisputed Era was presented in a certain matter where this was this was the top team kind of thing and obviously you know teams like HMO5 and the, uh, <laughs> no, they're, you know, they're the, just the mighty now that's right and and the the fat mechanics and everything like that they you know they're 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 looked at as so much less and they're barely ever used and then you know um, the Ely brothers now is just one guy, so I don't know how he's going to be able to work a match like that. But well, I think he's actually only the only reason he hasn't been released is because he has a concussion and they can't release yeah, him while he's true. on the disabled list. So very, very true. I was um, going to say, if his brother comes in and like takes over his spot, are they really going to know? I mean, they are twins. I'm just saying. I think at some point in time you have to have somebody take somebody in, but uh, then again, you thanks, know. Thanks, Sal. Thanks for that. Uh, anyways, <laughs> so uh, moving right along to because this shit's going fucking farther than I longer than I thought it was going to take. Uh, Money in the bank happens. Uh, Pay per view that <laughs> Do used we have to, to talk be, about this really. Well, we can. We'll go. Well, let's go ahead and just go fucking quickly through these matches. If you want to say something about the match, just hop in. If you don't, we'll just move on to the next one. Uh, the women's Money in the Bank match saw Amber Moon take on her elders: Charlotte Flair, Alexa Bliss, Becky Lynch, Natalia's Pussy. Lana, Naomi, and Sasha Banks, and Alexa Bliss wound up winning the Money in the Big briefcase. Wait, you're going to start with this match, or you're going to expect us not to argue about it? I didn't say I was expecting anybody not to argue. I was saying if you wanted to argue, you could go ahead and take the time to argue. Well, I'm going to argue right off the bat, and I'm going to say that I enjoyed Alexa Bliss winning the Money in the Bank. Fuck that. I'm going to go ahead and say I love Alexa Bliss. But the money in the bank used to be used differently. It used to be used to elevate somebody to the main event. Mm -hmm. And Alexa Bliss doesn't need it. Randy Orton didn't need it. John Cena. John Cena didn't never needed it. Edge needed it. I'm glad you brought up Randy Orton and John Cena because that happened six and five years ago. How many years has it been? 
since the money in the bank has been used to elevate somebody up to that level. Dean Ambrose? Dean Ambrose was a main eventer already. He wasn't a WWE champion. He wasn't a WWE champion. He wasn't. Look how quickly that came about. Seth Seth Rollins. Yeah, there you go. And I'm I'm not you're you're looking at just the positive results. How about Carmella? Yeah, look at Carmella. That's a positive result. It is intended to be used that way with Damian Sandow and Baron Corbin and right. some of these other guys that won Dolph it. Ziggler. Dolph, oh, don't don't do um, <laughs> Yeah, that's that's the intention of it. Is it supposed to be used to elevate? It doesn't always work like Ken Kennedy. But that's that was always the intention of it, you know. They used it with the Miz to elevate him yeah. to the main event, things like that. And Alexa Bliss didn't need it. She's already a main eventer. She's already a, a, a but, fucking four-time champion at that point. But to that point, uh, Charlotte Flair, we know her track record. Becky Lynch is a two-time SmackDown Women's Champion. Natalia's held the title a bunch of times. Naomi's mm-hmm. held the title a bunch of times. Sasha Banks, we know what she's done. So really, when you talk about the people in the field, we're talking Ember Moon and Lon. And I don't think anybody ever thought for a second Lana was winning this fucking thing. Um, no, but I thought, but I thought you had had a good chance for Ember Moon there, and you you could have told the same exact story by having Ember Moon come out and beat Nia Jax for it. I know you were gonna you're gonna say the same old thing that is usually used as a heel, but Dean Ambrose did, did it. It's fine. And Dean Ambrose the, is a different kind of face, though. True. And he had a built-in story against Seth that night, right? Not to, but the, the but cheap shot back. of jumping somebody who's exhausted from a match is really more of a heel tactic. When it, when the face usually and, wins it, it's usually like they announce it ahead of time. John Cena did, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Then have her do that. Well, fine. Have, but, have, have her Rob Van Dam it. Have her John sure. Cena it. That's sure. fine. But but again, this goes back to the the issue: the field was wrong. This, these were the wrong choices to put in this oh, match. I don't disagree with that. Yeah. Right. But then, if, but if then, you're going okay. to make it about somebody who wanted to, if you wanted to elevate somebody, then you put in Ruby Riot, you put in the Iconics. Mm-hmm. But with the field we had, is why I'm not opposed to Alexa winning it. I but just, I, th- I wouldn't be. See, the thing is, like, it's been a while since Becky Lynch was on top. It's right. even been a while since Natalia was on top. It's wow. been a while oh, since Sasha. No, 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 no. no, 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 no. That's, that's the only position she can be in now because <laughs> Tyson Kidd is a vegetable. But you know, yeah, they, this would have been a perfect opportunity to propel Becky Lynch back into the main event, or, or Sasha, Naomi, or Sasha, or Naomi, even for that matter, because she's fallen so much. But instead, you took somebody who just came off of. Losing the championship, then she got the, the got the the briefcase and cashed in and won the championship. Yeah, there was barely any time between her her title reigns here. Yeah, and it just it just to me felt like they had they had no better better idea on how to get the title back back on her at this point. So they're just like fuck it, we'll just use the money in the bank. And it just seemed like so, like such an afterthought on the thing, and it, a waste. It, it came across this the putting the belt back on her this quickly just came across to me as like. She was getting her boobs done. They wanted somebody to hold the title while she got recovered, so they put it on Nia Jax. See, for me, it was more of, wow, this really didn't work with Nia. Uh, we booked ourselves. Who thought it was going to fucking work with Nia? I don't know. Maybe Vince. But uh, I'll tell you this. To me, it seemed like it was it was used to hit the reset button. And even if I don't necessarily agree with it, because I will say that Becky looked like a fucking moron on top of that ladder... I will say that if it was used to hit the reset button, then fucking reset. Give it back to Alexa. What else are you going to do at this point? 
There well, were a lot of things you could have fucking done. Yeah, and they decided to just book everything wrong. Speaking of which, AJ Styles defeated Shinsuke Nakamura to retain the championship. This one I don't so, have as big of an issue with. See, I'm a little bit of two minds about this because after SmackDown, I feel like, well, Nakamura's going to be fine. He was he was awesome on SmackDown this week. Yeah, to me though, it's just it's it's another case of <laughs> you know, they they this is the um both both Royal Rumble winners lost their chances at the championship, and then yet again lost their champions at, chances at a championship again. So fuck the Asians. This is, to me, the latest example of why wrestling fans are assholes, to be completely honest with you. For mm-hmm. for months, when Roman Reigns had the title, he's feuding with AJ Styles. All we hear is, oh, Vince will never give AJ the fucking title. He doesn't trust Why AJ's the best performer in the company. Why don't you put the fucking title on him? Why can't he have the title? Then he lost the title to Cena. Why the fuck would you take the title off of AJ? He's so much better than Cena. Why doesn't AJ still have the fucking title? Now AJ's had the title, and what do we sit here and go... Oh, why isn't AJ dropping the fucking title on Nakamura? Like, you just, you you cannot make wrestling fans happy. No matter what you do, they're going to fucking get sick of it. You put the title on the guy they want you to put the fucking title on, they're going to sit there and go, I remember the fucking reaction Cena got when he beat JBL for the fucking title. He was over the fucking moon. People wanted that title on him. They got the title on him, and he's fucking, he's over, so he's shoved down our throats. I fucking like him. It's just, it's sort of, they're damned if they do and damned if they don't, basically. To a point, because if Triple H was running the WWE... Don't, don't. Then Triple H would be the champion. Yeah, we just, we just talked, we just talked for a half fucking hour about NXT's booking and Triple H books that. So don't even, let's let's not even pretend that that Triple H... For the record, I didn't have a problem with NXT's booking. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But that's what I'm saying. Do you really think he would have put Shinsuke Nakamura in five title matches and had him lose all five? I somehow doubt it. See, and that that was my only issue with it. I don't have a problem with, with AJ retaining. I have a problem with AJ retaining against the same motherfucker five times in a fucking row. That's my issue is that you, 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 we kept having the story build up to it and build up to it, and we had the Shinsuke heel turn, and we're like, okay, now it's finally time. Okay, it didn't happen that time, and now you're just like, what are, what do you even do with this well, guy? Add this to the two to the two pay per view losses Nakamura had to Jinder too in title matches. So, well, that's what I was talking about: two yeah. to Jinder on pay per view, three to AJ, and and to me, um, it, you know, if you're gonna tell a story. This was the point in the story that you switched the belts. I love AJ. He's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. But it just felt like the story needed to change direction. Okay, but if you are, if you were in fact planning on, if the plan from the fucking beginning was we're going to do what we did on SmackDown and we'll get to it later in terms of the number one contender, does that work with Nakamura or does that need to be Styles to keep that program over? Because to me, that's why Styles still has this belt. Hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. It's uh, a Money in the Bank lightning round. Roman Reigns defeated Jinder Mahal. Did we do the men's Money in the Bank yet? I don't think we did. We're, we have more to talk about with that. That's why I'm, I'm trying oh, to get okay. rid of. I thought you were going in order. Sorry. No, because he talked about. Oh, you're going to start with this one. Uh, the Bludgeon Brothers defeated the club. Shit. Wait, 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 the wait, wait. Just, just, a quick, just a quick thing about Roman and 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 Jinder. They put nah, them in a match. Uh, why am I? Why do I even bother? <laughs> <laughs> just a quick thing. They put them in a match, and the crowd was could not have been more pissed off about that match. Was this a fucking shock to anybody? 
No! Who in the back's out there? I want you to know the crowd's really going to go fucking crazy for this Roman Reigns Jinder Mahal match. Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Goddamn, pal. Dan and Brian defeated Big Cass so bad that they fired him. <laughs> you know, we should we should have saw that coming when he tapped two papers views in a row. I, I don't I don't think that was anything to do with it. Um, I actually will say I thought this was one of Big Cass's better singles performances. Which isn't saying his, much. I thought it was his best match actually. Yeah, there you go. Um, which isn't surprising, but yeah, uh, WWE did really uh, apparently call a meeting before SmackDown. Uh, Vince brought Big Cass over and said, yeah. No, it, di- it didn't take place in front of the roster. He, he called him into a private meeting. Fired. And, yeah, so Big Cass was fired because of the incident with beating up a midget, supposedly, and also because he's apparently he's a big asshole and maybe a little bit of an alcoholic. So, <laughs> Car- Carmella, last woman standing in the trio of Carmella, Enzo, and Big Cass. Who would have thought that? Speaking of which... Wait a minute. Do we realize that Ellsworth has a job and Big Cass doesn't? Do we realize that the bet the I don't big know show? why that's so funny. Like because Ellsworth didn't have a job like two weeks ago, and then all of a sudden now Big Cass is unemployed and Ellsworth is back with the company. Yeah, our truth has I, a job and Cody Rhodes doesn't. So the same. Why, why are those two things related though? Because he brought up Carmella, so I guess okay. Uh, Bobby Lashley defeated Sami Zayn so bad that he was written off TV. For the record, fucking John Cone's kid is a former tag team champion, and Enzo and Cass never were. Ouch. <laughs> Seth, Rollins, Seth Rollins was able to beat Elias to retain the Intercontinental Championship for his continued long reign, long live the uh, IC champion. Do you want to go off on this now, or do you want to wait till the perfect ten? I, I have a section of it. Okay. Uh, the, the Bludgeon Brothers defeated the club to retain the SmackDown Tag Team Championships because apparently those still exist. Who knew? Uh, Carmella, Carmella successfully defeated Asuka for the SmackDown Women's Championship thanks to James Ellsworth. Retained the SmackDown title. Uh, retained, yes. Uh, the Raw Women's Championship match ended in a DQ as Nia Jax and Ronda Rousey. Nia, oh, with Nia Jax Rousey. involved, you have to be very clear that you did mean disqualification and not Dairy Queen. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, Nia Jax may have still gotten Dairy Queen to to <laughs> after the match, uh, but Ronda Rousey had the armbar almost locked in on Nia Jax before Alexa Bliss came in, beat the shit out of both of them with the briefcase, cashed in, and Alexa faced off against Nia Jax and is now a five-time women's champion, three times on Raw, two times on SmackDown. Yep. Yep. And then the mon- men's money in the bank... Braun Strowman defeated Finn Balor, The Miz, Rusev, Bobby Roode, Kevin Owens, Samoa Joe, and Kofi Kingston. Now, this is the one I want to talk about because this match I really enjoyed. I wasn't a huge fan of the of the ending of it, but a couple of things things for me. Uh, I loved uh, Kevin Owens, Samoa Joe, and Rusev teaming up. Uh, I thought it was great for Kevin Owens to yell over to Rusev, bring him over here, and then Samoa Joe to come over and go, get your brass up that ladder. <laughs> so uh, then, of course, the the big move, Kevin Owens getting thrown off the top of that fucking 35-foot ladder onto a table, effectively taking him out of the match. Uh, everybody teamed up, threw a bunch of ladders on top of Braun Strowman, which I thought was a really good move um, to try to bury him. The, the story of this was that everybody just wanted Braun Strowman out of their fucking way so they could try to get it. Uh, lots of times that the Miz was trying to be op- opportunistic, which was actually the comedy moments of the match, 
where like the Miz would be setting up a ladder and he would look over and Braun Strowman slams through a ladder and he just kind of stops and goes, oh, shit. <laughs> um, but yeah, the ending of this, uh, Braun Strowman climb to the top and become Money in the Bank. So, uh, uh, Excuse me, that's Monster in the Bank. No, it's not, because it's a dumb fucking term. <laughs> so... Michael Cole told me about 15 times on Monday night. Well, Michael Cole will tell you anything. Um, it's boss time, by the way. I, I Here comes this, the big dog. This match might have saved the pay-per-view. This was a great fucking match. It was, it's full of action. The crowd was into it. Uh, I liked this match a lot. I really did. It, it, it definitely helped my opinion of the pay-per-view overall. Jason... You're sort of going to have to separate the match from the ending. Uh, I thought the match in and of itself was excellent. Uh, to Troy's point, the, the teamwork with those three was great, although for me, Kevin Owens and Rusev, nothing will ever top. Well, Machka something! That was my bad. That was the, the greatest Kevin Owens-Rusev moment in history. Um, but there's no fucking reason to put this briefcase in the hands of Braun Strowman. This is the undestructible fucking monster. He doesn't need that type of opportunity. That would be indestructible. Whatever. Same fucking deal. And, and yeah, but you know what? This makes sense based on who the champion is. No, it no, doesn't. No, it doesn't. No, make it sense. fucking wait a doesn't. Minute, wait a because the champion's never there. How can you cash yes, in on him? But you've already established that he is going to be at the next pay per view. No, the next pay per view is Extreme events. Rules. I meant SummerSlam. But if if you have Brock in a match against anybody, against Bobby Lashley, against Roman Reigns, whatever, and you hear Braun's music, that crowd is going to react huge. How do you devalue the Braun Strowman eventual title win? Oh, you have him win cheap with money in the bank. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. That's how you but, keep that's how you keep fucking moron strong. So that way, when he does eventually, you know, get thrown out again for doping, he can come back to the WWE again and be thrown right back into the same position he's in is now. He's what forty something years old at this point. Yeah, so is our fucking WWE champion. <laughs> That's true, but he's got more miles on him because he's there every fucking week. That's true. That's true. Brock Lesnar is fresh. By the way, so is our U.S. champion, for the record. Yeah. Uh, hey. So is our IC champion. I just, to me, Braun Strowman was the wrong choice. I mean, there to me, The Miz, again, we, we talked about it going into it. The Miz, Owens, Samoa Joe, any one of those three, you could have put that case in. It would have been beautiful. It would have fit perfectly. It would have given you great storylines, great suspense going forward. The second Braun Strowman decides he's going to cash in, you know he's winning that fucking title. There's no suspense attached to this shit at all. Oh, so you prefer Baron Corbin when you're like, oh, maybe he'll just lose like a jobber. Yeah. Oh, fuck you, dude, because Every... you and I were sitting here talking about how much we enjoyed the Baron Corbin cash-in story. Yes! Because there was the mystery to it. Time. Something happened that I we didn't expect. Like... This, is, this is the moment that, Jay, that Jason's going to have to insert in the, the perfect ten, because we're going to go right into who booked this shit number two. And, no, no, uh, no, no, no. We'll, we'll, we'll do the perfect ten after, but... Um, this is the moment where you guys got to check Facebook tomorrow because I might pull an Adam and quit the show after this shit tonight. Oh, Jesus. Listen, in my opinion, when I looked at that Money in the Bank card, there was two people that I had, that I, maybe three, that I could conceive winning. The Miz, if they wanted to do that again. 
Samoa Joe, because it would have established him, and Braun. If you're not going to have Samoa Joe win, I'm fine with Braun winning. See, I actually disagree with that. I thought everybody but Kofi Kingston, to me, seemed like a person that could win this match. You really thought Finn Balor was going to win the match? I didn't say I thought he was going to win the match. I thought he could conceivably win it, because there's a story to tell there. Former Universal Champion is a way to elevate him up. I thought he could conceivably win it. I didn't think he was going to, which is why I didn't pick him to win it. But I thought that he was a viable person to win it. Same thing with Kevin Owens, for obvious reasons. Samoa Joe, the Miz, obviously was one that people, a lot of people thought was going to win it before they decided to say, fuck that, put it on Braun Strowman, because we need to have some way to get that title off of Brock Lesnar without hurting his delicate feelings. So, what? I, 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 I just I can't. First off, of course, and we didn't even touch upon this aspect of it, but I'll touch you. But but fuck SmackDown because right know, right there was there was both cases go to Raw, so SmackDown has nothing to show for the entire fucking year, um, in terms of suspense. And then to top that off, we take one of the fucking cases off of somebody on the first fucking night. So now there's one case that's got any suspense going forward, and it's in a guy at the hands of a guy who leaves no fucking suspense when he cashes in the case. No, if, uh, if it was up to me, it would be Joe. That, that's a hundred percent. That's who I wanted. Didn't you have Tyson Kidd? Yeah. Uh, no, he had Tyson Kidd in the Daniel Bryan match. Oh, okay. um, <clears throat> no, my my biggest. I mean, I know I successfully predicted Braun Strowman to win. I just don't like it. <laughs> To, to me, the only thing is, is that WWE hasn't earned my uh, earned my um, me thinking that they're going to remember that Braun Strowman said this, and we're going to have a Brock Lesnar appearance, and Braun Strowman will not cash in. Okay. I just I just, I just do not think that WWE has a good enough memory, or thinks that the crowd remembers enough to actually have that happen. I mean, this is the same people that considered that that had Charlotte get her fucking ass laid out and laying there, and there was no Carmella to be found. And you're just like, uh, what? Uh, where were we on that one, Carmella? The only thing for me that could save this is if we're fucking brown panties match. No. But if we cut the footage on Raw of, like, Brock doing a fucking autograph signing at Target and Braun Strowman cashes in there, whoa, 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 that's the only pump, fucking thing. Pump the brakes. We cut to Brock Lesnar up in fucking Manitoba fucking his wife. That's the only thing that, that is going on right now. There is no god fucking way that he is doing an autograph signing or stepping foot in a Target. I could see him going to Target in Minnesota. I got a better one for you. Brock jumps him at a UFC event, fucking beats him down, and they do the they do the hardcore title twenty four seven rule and pins him in the back. That's I mean, that would only that way would it's interesting. Attention. Yeah, that that would bring attention to, to uh, WWE, and that's and UFC and WWE has done a lot to help UFC out. So, you know, it'd be nice to see. Uh, those are uh, those are a couple of good ideas. Uh, so much so that I think we might have thrown out at least. The perfect ten. A ten. A tan! A fucking tan! And we're going to start things off with uh, some asshole assaulting the SmackDown general manager, Paige. Apparently, after the after SmackDown went off the air, Paige got into a rental car, was leaving the arena. Some asshole came up. Please, anybody in the media that actually listens to it, please stop referring to this asshole as a fan. A fan did not attack Paige. An asshole attacked Paige. The asshole walked up to Paige, pie-faced her, and told her to lose some weight. 
And not only did Paige talk about it on her Instagram, but there were fans in attendance that actually said, this happened, we witnessed it. So um, not just something to, you know, uh, that that Paige was just kind of throwing out there or anything like that, but something that actually happened. Somebody fucking touched a, a woman, a female performer on SmackDown, and told her to lose some weight. Which I, for one, think she doesn't need to lose any weight. She looks great. Anything? All right, moving right along. I think it was CM Punk. Okay. Yep. Then probably. <laughs> no, I mean, I, there's not a whole lot that needs to be said. The guy's clearly a fucking asshole, and good on her for handling it the way she handled it, and you know, telling him to fuck off. I will say this: that when I found out about this in Troy, thank you for letting us know this in the host thread. Um, it, it did make me sad because it's it. You know, this is what people are going to think wrestling fans are like. Like, anybody who's just, like, a normal, like, civilian, they're going to be like, oh, that's all that's all those dumb wrestling fans do. Uh, you know what? No, that's not what we do. But this guy is such a fucking piece of shit. I really do hope he, he gets caught and goes to jail. Like, who the fuck does that? Seriously. That's the same fucking shit in every athletic endeavor where there's spectators involved. I mean, I've I've been to games at Yankee Stadium against the Red Sox, where the Yankee fans that I saw, there were a handful of Yankee fans um, sort of relentlessly heckling and, and mocking a disabled Red Sox fan in a wheelchair. Um, so there's there's that those walks, in, and, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you the same thing doesn't happen at Fenway Park with asshole drunk fans there. Um, people get drunk at sporting events. They turn into assholes. They lose their inhibitions, and they do shit like this. Clearly, it's an underlying fact that this guy's a piece of shit, uh, and he put it on full display, and fuck him. But at the end of the day, I don't think it speaks negatively on the rest of the fan base as a whole. I think it's it speaks negatively on this one asshole for being an asshole. There you go. I'm going to go ahead and change the wording of this next one, because it implies that this is an actual news story. Known piece of shit... ROH president claims that WWE got them removed from Madison Square Garden. That's the way I put it, because I don't believe a word that comes out of that, that dickhead's mouth. Okay, who are you <clears throat> referring to in this case? Uh, the fucking... Isn't it the, the, uh, the guy who runs ROH? The pedophile? Joe Coff? Yeah. Okay. As far as I understand it, this, this came from the head of Sinclair Broadcasting, not Joe Coff. Ring of Honor CEO Joe Coff alleges WWE squashed his Madison Square Garden plans. After it had been already announced by, by the head of Sinclair. As, as I understand it, I could be wrong, but I believe the head of Sinclair did an interview um, where this was addressed. And then people went to Joe Coff for comment. Um, and yes, <laughs> I absolutely, regardless of who the source is, I absolutely 100% totally and completely fucking believe this. Um, for a lot of reasons, the first and not the least of which being, I know for a fact WWE has pushed people out of arenas since the beginning of the fucking WWE. Uh, they've tried to control and prevent people from, from participating in there. The Northeast, there was a big reason it took us a very fucking long time to get a WCW show up here in the Northeast, uh, because WWE wouldn't allow, they would refuse to do business with arenas that allowed WCW to take place. And it wasn't until... WCW had taken their long run at the top where the WWE didn't swing that same hammer that you started to see Nitro show up at the at the Garden in Boston. Um, 
but yeah, no, I absolutely buy this because we're talking. Keep in mind, we're talking about if you're the WWE, we're talking about not only Ring of Honor elevating themselves to the level that they're they're holding an event at Madison Square Garden. But they're also this event was scheduled to take place WrestleMania weekend, probably running opposite your NXT Takeover Brooklyn at the Barclays Center. So yes, I would absolutely believe this happened. Yeah, not only do I believe it happened, it's typical of them. They've done this type of backdoor fucking business for fucking decades. Like Jason said, you go back and you you see how many WCW events were actually allowed to take place in the Northeast, and it's a very small handful. And then even when they would go down south, they would purposely run buildings, um, you know, like what happened with the DX Invasion, where they ran in the same fucking town in Virginia or two towns over that, that Nitro was at that night. I mean... It doesn't surprise me that Vince would try to block somebody from performing a Madison Square Garden. Not at all. I mean, it's very possible. I mean, these kinds of things happen. But, um, like I said, it... <laughs> Did I miss something? Are you right over there? Did I miss Everything something? Okay. Okay. Just wanted to make sure. Sal seemed to be a little befuddled by what was going on. Yeah. I just I figured we're still on the same topic, but you know, maybe maybe we're not. I don't know. Well, what, are we, um, what are we doing? I don't know. <laughs> um so I guess we can we can go ahead and get into some of the of the booking choices from Ron Smackdown that we had here. Starting off with Raw, because yeah, apparently Raw decided to stop caring about fucking anything because Dolph Ziggler is the IC champion. And I want either of you. This is this is the point, I think, where Sal and I just push back from the table and let Troy go at it. Mm-hmm. I want either of you to tell me why Dolph Ziggler is the Intercontinental Champion. Because okay. they, cause Vince is confused and he thinks it's Sean and Diesel from 94. Okay, can I give you the honest answer? Do you want the honest answer, or do you want me to just vamp this and, and play it up for the oh, show? Oh, I, I, I want you to tell me a logical reason why why Dolph Ziggler took the Intercontinental Championship off of Seth Rollins. Okay, because Seth Rollins and Elias are both going to be in this number one contenders match at Extreme Rules. They needed to get the title off of him, so they threw it to somebody who they thought is credible because he's a former champion who can carry it into the pay-per-view and have an IC title match at the show. That's it. Well, why but not choose the other guy in that partnership? The other guy is a former IC champion as well. And perhaps is going to also be in the number one contenders match. Hmm. See, I was actually going a different route. I was I was going to say that this is the way they break up Ziggler and, and McIntyre. Maybe McIntyre turns on him because he wants that title back. But that's the most I could come up with. These two fucking idiots last week, last fucking week, said that they were winning the, the tag team championships. And a fucking week later, Dolph Ziggler is IC champion. And they came out together, and he helped him jump him after the match. Why is Dolph Ziggler winning a fucking singles championship when he's supposed to be, like, they're supposed to be the new number one contenders for the for the fucking tag team championships no, after the B the team team is the, is the number one contenders. And either the B team wins and needs a new 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 challenger, or they fucking lose and the deleters need a new challenger. Well, and by that time, Ziggler will have probably dropped the IC title. Why? Why? 
why do you need to, if if we're just going to have Roman Reigns be the fucking number one contender or whatever you're going to do in this number one contenders thing, there's no fucking reason for Seth to drop that championship. There's one reason, and we discussed this when I was on the show, and that was elevating Seth to that universal title pitcher. By, I don't know, putting him in a number one fucking contenders match. And you do it by throwing the fucking belt on somebody who hasn't mattered in three fucking years. Well, that's my problem. Have, I guess have anybody else win this fucking championship? I know, I know you're going to say, oh, well, Elias might be in the thing. Well, why the fuck isn't Elias winning the IC championship? You had an opportunity last night. Elias and said he was in the fucking thing. On Raw. No, I, I do agree with that. If you're going to do the title change, you had the setup to give it to Elias. There's no reason to not give it because to Elias. Because he's going to be in the same match. As I Seth. know, but there's, there's nothing no that reason hurts why they can't Elias being the IC champion. Because they want to be able to have the title defended because they're not going to have the Universal Championship on that show. That's true. I just I just don't... I don't I, like the idea that they put it on Ziggler any more than anybody else. I'm just saying I understand why they did it. Now, what about gender, though? I mean, there's a there's an established single. Are you fucking guy. go sit in the corner? Go sit in the fucking corner. Wait, compared no, no, to Dolph, go sit in the fucking corner. You're in a timeout, Sal. <laughs> You'd rather have Dolph as the IC champion. than Jinder? Yes. So At who, least that makes sense. All right. I would rather on. have John Cone's fucking kid be the IC champion than Jinder. Be careful what you wish for. So, how many people are going to be in this fucking number one contenders match? Twenty. <laughs> I don't know. Kurt Angle got too flustered and rocked off. They already said Roman and Lashley are in it. We already said Roman and Lashley. Apparently, Jonathan you... Coachman's telling us people were petitioning to be in this match before the match was announced. So, okay. So clearly, we're probably going to have Finn Balor. He's probably going to be part of it. Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens will most likely be a part of it. Seth Rollins, you said, is going to be a part of it. That's five people. Okay. Braun Strowman apparently is not going to be a part of it. Right. So, Elias. if you have Elias, that's six people. Okay. Six-pack challenge! Okay. Bobby Roode would be seven people. Oh, yeah. Forgot about him. Well, I don't think Bobby Roode's going to be in it. Then why the fuck isn't he IC champion? Because he's oh, Bobby Roode. Oh, there you Rude. go. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. You could have put it on Roode. Because Roode's a face and Seth is a face. So what? You've done face matter. on face before. Not in an open challenge. They don't want, they don't want that. Well, you could do it in an open challenge, oh, but they oh. don't. What? They now, they prefer heel on fucking oh, face. We we claim that that doesn't fucking exist anymore. We is claim you, that. We claim is, it. But fucking Vince does. Me, are you telling me Drew McIntyre is going to be in the number one contenders thing? I have no idea. Maybe. Then why the fuck isn't he IC champion? Maybe. Instead, you put it on a guy who for the for fucking somehow because nine, because they don't want fucking years. This motherfucker has held a championship at some point in time in nine fucking years straight. All right, Dolph Ziggler doesn't put asses in the seats. He puts dicks in urinals, okay? Every one of his fucking matches <laughs> is just people fucking running off to the bathroom. This guy needs to be fucking fired. How the fuck does he still have a fucking job? You answer, you're answering your own fucking question, Troy. The reason he was the one to pick was because he's the one that can drop it fucking quickly. You don't, if you want to put it on back on Seth or somebody else after this number one contenders match, what you don't want to do is put it on fucking Drew McIntyre and then have him drop it three weeks later because that shit's on him who you actually have plans 
for. You can put it on Ziggler for a three-week period, have Ziggler drop it, and it ain't going to affect shit with Ziggler. That being said, then how do you get out of this match on Monday night? This one coming up, the rematch. What do you mean, how do you get out of it? Because then Seth has to lose. No, have you watched wrestling before? Of course. (laughs) You do realize that he's just going to yet again be distracted by Drew McIntyre, right? My guess, my guess, if I had to put money on it, is that somehow Roman Reigns gets involved and we get uh, Drew McIntyre, Dolph Ziggler, Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns match. Wonderful. the other thing here... So the I'd other be down for here, that. I'd actually be down for a uh, Drew McIntyre-Roman Reigns program. I take I take one issue with you saying that the WWE wanted the IC Championship defended on Extreme Rules. What's that? Why? Again, because they're not going to have the Universal title on the show, so they want You're the biggest have belt the on WWE Raw. Championship on there. And it's going to be Rusev and AJ Styles. And your your main event is probably going to be the number one contenders match. Right, but the biggest no belt reason. on Raw currently is the Intercontinental title, and they want it defended. Wait, more important question, Jason, will you quit watching WWE if they don't have the Intercontinental title defended on Extreme Rules? I'm borderline to quitting watching Raw right now. The only reason I watch that fucking show anymore is to talk about it on here. Agreed. If I could sit back and watch like New Japan, NXT, and a little bit of SmackDown here and there, I'd be a happy wrestling fan. I just, to me, and again, this is this is me instantly going to the fact that WWE has not done anything to earn my trust. Is that I think you're going to have Dolph Ziggler for Seth Rollins for the IC Championship at Extreme Rules, and I think we're going to be sitting there and asking the the fucking question of why did you have him drop the belt. Because you're you're convinced that he's going to be in the in the number one contenders match. I'm not. I don't think I that am. they've thought that fucking far ahead, and I don't think that they took the title off of him in order to put to elevate him to the Universal Championship program or anything like that. I, I think that they just took the fucking belt off him because they love Dolph Ziggler. All right, we'll see. We'll see. From now till then, we'll see. I I just I don't think they expected this sort of Seth to get over to the degree he has in the last couple months. Um, and now that he has, they want to strike with the iron shot on it. Because that's what they always do. Anyways, moving on. We uh, Yeah, we're going to have a number one contenders match. With certain people, that's what they do. With certain. With Seth, right. that's what they do. We're moving on. We're going to have a number one contenders match for the Universal Championship, which we never see. <laughs> we have yet to confirm that this will actually take place at SummerSlam, whoever wins this one. And obviously... This is essentially going to be who's going to be facing Braun Strowman once he cashes in, apparently, or it's, uh, it's going to be. So it's it's Roman uh, this, Reigns versus Bobby Lashley versus Seth Rollins versus Elias versus Drew McIntyre versus Bobby Roode versus Braun Strowman versus Dolph Ziggler versus, versus Jeff Ballard, Hardy versus, versus Matt Hardy. Versus, no, I think Kevin Owens is going to do a program with Braun Strowman. I think that's what we're sort of setting up now. Yeah, that that definitely seems like the way to go. Anyway, because you can't have Strowman in this match, so I think he needs right. something. So I think he's going to get fed Owens at least. So in, instead of actually telling us who's going to be in this match, we instead had a segment. I just where, told you who's going to be in this match. Shut up. <laughs> where where Kurt Angle got flustered because he's a terrible GM and left. Um, the show is off the rails. The only thing that I thank that God I, we've I, got Constable Corbin. Yeah. So oh yeah. <laughs> Um, we also had the revival yet again getting the ascension treatment on just coming out, talking shit, and then losing a match. Um, the only thing whoa, that whoa, was whoa, 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 real quick on that. 
they should have never put the revival in the ring with fucking Lashley and Roman. Here's two of your fucking most jacked up dudes on Raw, and you put the revival in a ring with them? Dude, they visually that look like fucking uh, cruiserweights going up against Roman and and yeah, because they want to bury the revival because they're done Ugh. with them. Um, the only serious? the only thing that I thought was was halfway decent was Roman Reigns serious? kind of chat. Are we fucking serious here? Right. I'm just gonna go ahead and mute my mic. Arn and fucking Tully did long programs with the Road Warriors. Arn and Tully look like they belong in that ring. You're telling me on Monday night? You compare if you're comparing physiques. The Road Warriors and Arn and Tully were not in the fucking same discussion. That's fine, but you're telling me on Monday night it looked like the Revival belonged in the ring with Lashley and Roman? They're a tag team versus two singles guys. That's a story you can always tell. They look like those local guys you pull off of the fucking indie circuit when you come to town. Oh, if I if I could interject here, uh, the Brothers of Destruction held tag team belts and eventually lost them. So don't don't even try to claim that like smaller guys can't be bigger guys. Uh, that's the story we always tell. We had fucking Daniel Bryan win the championship against Randy Orton. Is Daniel Bryan jacked? No. Thank you. Randy no. Orton's. You had you had fucking uh, Rey Mysterio beat Batista for the fucking World Heavyweight Championship. Daniel that's Bryan it. and Rey Mysterio were stars. What if they dealt with the revival? That's the whole point of this. This was just something to put a match on to finish the fucking show off. I and they, they, they looked around and were like, you. "Oh, you guys are still employed. Let's have you go out there and look like idiots <laughs> because we don't like you." I. <laughs> I fucking guarantee you Dash and Dawson get more notoriety out of appearing in the ring with fucking Bobby Lashley and Roman Reigns than they would doing 10 tag team matches where they go over Brizongo. Guaranteed. Yeah, I guarantee you Big Cass got more notoriety out of being in the ring with Daniel Bryan. Uh, that's, How's that working out for him? No, you can't do that. Big Cass got fired because of issues in the back. That's a different thing. And Big Cass, if it wasn't for that, probably would have gotten propelled off of the match he had with Daniel Bryan. But he's just too much of an asshole because apparently he's Enzo Amore just, you know, after eating a fucking mushroom from Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> so, yeah. No, the, the, I think the best part of this was Roman Reigns has started to uh, dial into his The Rock persona with him uh, mocking the revival during their little, <laughs> a little, little thing lo- there. I loved him calling Lashley Bob. Mm-hmm. I yeah. did too. Yeah, so Roman seems to be coming into his own as a character, which is, is good. This is what, what he needs to be. He needs to be a cocky asshole. Yeah, but nobody's going to give him a chance at this point, so it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter. But for us, it's entertainment. Yes. Uh, moving right along. Um, SmackDown is, is a mess because Sanity debuted and it turned into a fucking clusterfuck. See, I think, it was, I think it was what you needed to do with Sanity. To <laughs> well, I didn't know if you were just going to skip right over it and go to the next thing. I was, because that was all you had to say. Sanity you, was, are you following the fucking sheet? There's three different things attached to this topic, Sal. He yeah. was going through them. Yeah, I was going through them, and then we talk about it. That way yes. people understand that we're talking about three different things. Of where we're talking, the overarching theme here is that this is bad booking. And the bad booking is not having Andrade Cien Almas on the show and having the Iconics continue to lose. There, now I said everything. Now you can start talking about Sanity. And the bad booking focusing around the NXT call-ups. Hashtag NXT. Well, hashtag, hashtag Women's Revolution. Hashtag they, they, NXT. Yeah. They have never treated the NXT call-ups good. They don't expect them to start now, although they should if they just signed a billion-dollar deal with Fox. Well, we'll see. there are a few of them if, that did okay. If, if NXT gets a 
we have heard rumors that Fox is trying to get NXT on the FS1. air. Yeah. FS1. With if perhaps happens, with a two-hour time slot. Yeah. If that happens, then I think you will start seeing some changes in NXT, obviously, but also some changes in how the NXT superstars are treated once they come up to SmackDown because they're going to have a larger built-in audience than they do in just being on the network, which has one million people watching it. Sure. Now they get to have like two million people watching if it's on FSN, FS1. So, so yeah. considering all of the NXT call-ups and how they've been brought up, I got to say that I did not mind the way Sanity, de- Sanity debuted. First of all, they finally debuted, which did take about six weeks, but it was good to see them come out. I like the visual of their entrance. I thought that was done well. And then I do like the fact that they're just there to bring the chaos. They weren't even worried about the bell. They just started beating the shit out of the Usos, who are a very established tag team on SmackDown. Uh, isn't this essentially the same thing they're having the Riot Squad do on their way to the ring every week on Raw? Let, let's not forget that uh, coming in and beating up the Usos was the same thing that the club did when they debuted. It's the same thing that the Revival did when they debuted. It's no, pretty the much Revival beat up the New Day, didn't they? Sorry, yes, that's true. Different different people, but same exact thing. They come out and beat the fuck out of people. So Sanity coming out and beating the fuck out of people, not really that big of a difference. And the big thing with Sanity is that, you know, that, that Eric Young can cut a weird, creepy promo with his fucked up voice. So, you know, we're, we're going to hope to see more of that, but at the, at the very least, we need to see a little bit more direction out of Sanity than just we're here to beat the fuck out of everybody. Because that's what Dolph Ziggler and... Drew McIntyre said, that's what the Riot Squad said, that's what everybody says, they're just there to fucking kill everybody. Well, you need to have something different at this point now, because if everyone's just trying to kill each other, and all they do is just go into normal matches, that makes it boring. And for the record, the Riot Squad cut a fucking guy's tie off, so Riot Squad greater than Sanity. (laughs) Not even start with the Riot Squad, that's such a fucking clusterfuck too. But yeah, so uh, I understand them trying to have... um, Becky Lynch get a little bit more heat because of the fact that she was the most over person in the um, Money in the Bank ladder match. Everybody she, was She couldn't excited. have been because they put the belt on They put the case in her hands. And... I know, right? Um, every time she climbed up, the fucking people in the audience stood on their feet ready for it. So they're trying to capitalize on that. Problem is, instead of having her, because of the fact that SmackDown doesn't have any like actually established heels for her to, to get a win over... This, they're just having her face with whatever fucking woman that they can find, and that happens to be our new call-ups, who really can't afford any losses when they just both got beat by Charlotte. Yeah, why they've... couldn't she have beaten someone from Absolution? Right. Those two fucking bitches aren't doing anything. No. Yeah. But they've, they've got enough cachet sort of built up on the main roster at this point that a loss wouldn't matter for them. Right. They're at least known. Instead, I don't... I think that uh, the Iconics... The Iconics have won one fucking match, and it was their yeah. debut match. They've lost every time since. Did they even win their debut match? I thought yes, they won. That was the one where they pinned they... Char- uh, Asuka. Or they pinned oh. Becky. We're better than Asuka! Yeah. They pinned Becky, and Becky was teamed with Asuka. Well, first, first and foremost, you have to understand, I don't think the main WWE audience, the casual fan, really sees any difference between um, Absolution and the Iconics. They, they, I think you're incredibly wrong. I, I don't, 
think I'm wrong. Iconics, other, than, other than Mandy is hot. That's the only the, difference. No, I think the iconics. Sure, first first off, the iconics are fucking hot. Second of all, the iconics are moving merch. Third of all, the iconics can cut fucking promos that will melt your teeth. Fucking big, huge differences. Yeah, but the way they're writing them, when was the last time they cut a promo that melted someone's teeth? Because that promo in SmackDown was garbage. I didn't think it was garbage at all. That was great. I think so, the star of the Iconics is Peyton Royce. So for Billy Kay to go in there and to lose to Becky Lynch, I heard the crowd pop. I thought it worked fine. The crowd, so I, dude, the fucking Becky Lynch is over. The crowd will pop for her beating anybody. The point is not you're, you're getting lost on the, the, the idea of we're not saying Becky Lynch shouldn't have won a fucking match on SmackDown. What we're saying is, did we need to have it be at the expense of these two hot, potentially big time characters that we're trying to build up who can't seem to win a fucking match? That's the point. Put Becky out there. Let her get a fucking win over Naomi. I don't give a shit. It's fine. Have her beat Naomi. Have her beat fucking Charlotte for all I give a shit again. But to have her beat the Iconics is, is fucking detrimental to the characters you're supposed to be wanting to try to build up to that level. That's the point. So I actually want to remind you that while the Iconics as a tag team won the debut, the Iconic girls as single stars did not. That's As what I they said. debuted, they haven't won a match since their debut. Billy K, no, no, Billy K faced Charlotte Flair and lost the first match that either one of the two of them had on the main roster. I didn't say singles match. Well, that's what I was saying. I, no, nobody said singles. Said that you I was, guys argue the point. I'll be right back. I said they okay. won their debut match. This show is okay. way off the fucking rails. Now I know how Kurt Angle felt. Yeah, um, but yeah, so the Iconics as single stars or as tag teams have one fucking win and that was a tag team match. Everything else they've they've lost as a tag team or as singles people. So exactly. that's not a way to get over your fucking new people. No. So but, but the crowd um, popped for Becky, so fuck it. Yeah, so fuck it. You know, they're happy. Um so because of the fact that WB <sighs> no or the, the WB app decided to spoil it for us, we're gonna spoil it for you. Mustache Ride won the NXT tag team championships at the UK tapings. Uh so we, I mean, I don't have a whole lot to add here because I haven't seen the match. So yeah. all I can we say is, yeah, they the did apparently. Yeah. So th- this is just a this is the second time, and I think uh, about six months that WB app has just thrown out a fucking notification saying that somebody won a fucking championship on a show in a different country. It's okay. And without being like spoiler alert or like spoilers for the most recent tapings as a title change happened or anything like that That's they're okay. just Triple like H here went is... on tv and told us who got to who got the won the tournament to fight pete dunn for the championship yeah so exactly you know yeah which we're going to roll that right into the fact that the that nxt did announce that they will have a uk series yeah um so they are not not only going to have the the nxt sorry it's going to be nxt united kingdom series um we do not have like when it's going to debut, how how long it's going to be, or other than it's probably going to be on the network, obviously. Um, but we do know that it will will feature the NXT United Kingdom Championship, and uh, and they will introduce UK tag belts and a UK Women's Championship. Now we have no fucking clue how if they're just going to turn the NXT tag titles into NXT UK titles since Mustache Mountain won it, or if this was just their way to get them a little bit more kind of juice. Anything to add? Uh, I mean, I the show's going to happen. I mean, they, they announced it, so 
No, I mean, I think this is interesting. We, we've heard talks for a long time that they were going to do some sort of business with Progress or Progress, sorry, uh, or one of the other companies over there. Um, is it ICW, Progress? All Those are the two major ones, I think. Um, and instead, now they've decided apparently those deals didn't work out, and apparently they've decided they're going to start their own sort of um, show centered around there and I'm, I'm interested to see if it's the same creative sort of people behind nxt i think it will be good i'm curious to see if they're going to get their own sort of takeover specials i mean there's a lot more details i think they need to suss out before we really know um entirely how to feel about this mm-hmm. well that is one thing i was going to ask is that it, it's been announced as nxt uk um so does that mean they'll share they'll share takeover time like they'll kind of be like they'll come together for pay-per-views, kind of like the main roster does. Um, I am, you know, definitely optimistic about it. I think it's been a long time coming. But the um, the only issue I have, so this United Kingdom tournament that's going to be airing on Monday and Tuesday, is it for a shot at Pete Dunne? Yes, is that what it's doing? it's it's so that uh, um, uh, who uh, remind me again who won it. I don't James want to Gibson. spoil it. <laughs> oh no, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I'm not. I don't have any interest in who won it, but I believe so, it was yeah, James, so, I believe it was James Gordon. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So the uh, the the whole point of it was to to have Sir Paul McCartney. Right. So the so the whole point was to find a new contender for Austin um, Powers. Oh my God. <laughs> Paddington Bear. Mm. So what's what's <laughs> So the tournament was just to see who would face Pete Dunne at the um, Sherlock at the, Holmes at at the event and it wound up being Zach 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 Gibson and he did wind up losing the match. So the whole tournament was just to have a fucking match at the next night on the UK tam- Championship uh, special, and then he just lost it. So that was pretty much nothing. Yeah, um, but yeah, once they was... announced the NXT UK brand, you had to know Pete Dunne wasn't losing that fucking belt because he's the face right. of that that belt. Exactly right. right. But like I said, we we um, Shayna Baszler did wind up defeating Tony Storm, um, so she retained the, the women's championship. I so it's not Tony like Storm. they. T- yeah. So it's not like they turned around and just had all of the British chick British people win NXT championships. It was just one and that was Mustache Mountain. And like I said, we have no fucking clue if they're just going to turn those belts into the UK belts or if they're going to actually have it be where sometime along the line Mustache Mountain drops it again and then they have like a tournament for it or what's going to happen there. We need we need more information. But what it sounds like this was a, a very interesting uh, you know, tournament is something that will be interesting to seeing. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out how a, an American wound up slipping into a United Kingdom Championship tournament, but hey, it happened. Um, but we'll, yeah, so we'll see Who once this actually does air. Drew Gulak was in this. Yeah, Gulak. I was <laughs> well, he was in the UK. It doesn't say you have to be from the UK. Everybody else was United Kingdom wrestlers. Adam Cole challenged for the UK Championship on NXT. Yeah, but it wasn't a UK tournament. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a tournament for for United Kingdom stars. Killian well, uh, Dane was in the North American Championship match. Well, that's different. <laughs> Anyways, um, Austin uh, Powers. 
it's finally really Rusev Day because uh, Rusev will be facing off against AJ Styles at Extreme Rules for the WWE Championship after defeating Daniel Bryan, Samoa Joe, uh, Lucky Sanchez, um, yeah, Perky Brown, and uh, the Rex Express. So yeah, so Rusev is finally getting his shot. Um, so that they can finally squash this Rusev Day shit and drop him back down to the mid-card where he belongs. So talk about uh, what your feelings are about the match and what's going to happen at Extreme, not really Extreme Rules. See, so you say that, but, but the writing's sort of been on the wall for this. I mean, Rusev's got pretty impressive victories as of late uh, leading into the Money in the Bank pay-per-views, and I think some of us were sort of like, oh, well, let's... That's an interesting decision to have him win that match against Samoa Joe or Daniel Bryan. And here we are. Now he is the number one contender for the championship. So maybe they were setting this up and we just sort of overlooked it. Um, To me, more to the point uh, is the fact that Daniel Bryan damn near died in this match. Um, And for a guy who's had a ton of concussion issues, that snap fucking power slam was scary. Yeah. No, it definitely was, but um, it looked awful in real time. It looked worse in replay. <laughs> well, because replay will do that. Now let's assume, for the sake of time and argument, that Daniel Bryan is fine, and it just looked worse than it actually was. Uh, I'm happy that Rusev won this match. I think a lot of people have complained about the booking of him and just the booking in general for a couple months now, me included. And uh, it was a nice surprise having Rusev win this match, because when they announced who was going to be in it, I didn't see Rusev as the winner. No, and the way they told the story, too, with uh, Daniel Bryan lasting so long, and then I don't know what the fucking deal is with the, the Bludgeon Brothers and Daniel Bryan. I'm curious to see. If there's, if you get a guy again with a concussion issue, I, think, I would think the Bludgeon Brothers were two of the last guys you want him working with, but we'll see. Uh, I don't have any clue who his tag team partner is going to be for this. We'll, I guess, find out. Unless it's big cast, but you know he's gone. Um, no, but on that point, I like the idea of of them using the Bludgeon Brothers to kind of cost Daniel the match, and then you had you gave another reason for us to want to see Daniel Bryan kick Miz's ass. You know, Miz comes in there, does one move, he does the skull crushing finale, and he pins him, and now you just have another layer to that eventual uh, Daniel Bryan versus Miz feud. Hopefully, at SummerSlam. Right, exactly, and I think that was the nice part of the storytelling that they did there. Uh, Troy seems to have dipped out for a minute, so allow me to introduce our main event for this evening. Um, And we sort of danced around it a little bit during the course of this broadcast, but the WWE has officially confirmed that they refuse to change their same old ideas, and this will be the Money in the Bank edition, because... We've had a lot of conversations on the side regarding this topic. So, Sal, do you want to start off with your thoughts on this? You're saying specifically about what they've done with Money in the Bank this past year in general? Or just in general with the idea that they refuse to, to sort of come up with anything new and they just keep going back to sooner. And the, the thing that sort of triggered this was we had talked about it recently. Lesnar is still the champion. We won't take the belt off him. Roman is still the only guy con- competing against him. Braun's at the top of the card. Alexa's the women's champion. Bailey and Sasha are still fighting. Frenemies. There's been no real development on any of it, but it's all just still there. There's nobody new coming in. There's nobody going out. 
It's just the same people in the same roles, in different combinations, week after week, after month after month, and then we wonder why interest in the product is fading. So this has been going on for a number of years. Um, There's a case to be made that the only time they made new stars in the past 10 years was when the shield came up then and they made stars out of roman seth and dean and think about the booking it took to get those guys to be stars we're talking um you know a three-man team that went on uh you know uh they went on an absolute fucking destruction path for almost a year before finally establishing them as single stars on their own and i can't think of anybody that they've really done their best to make a new star out of and then you see it every Wrestlemania they just keep going back to the well of who can we get from the past I mean let's be honest at Wrestlemania 33 was all about Goldberg guy who was the hottest in 1998 well I mean it was also about you know Randy Orton's giant semen snake and it was about the Hardys coming back. I mean, I love the Hardys, and I love what they've done with the Broken gimmick, but that was another, um, you know, act that Vince could trust and that he knows and that he, he's going to get behind because he knows them. He He's almost like, at this point, if you, even if you look at the Dolph Ziggler title change, he's, he's afraid to trust anybody else. And I don't know if you want to blame that on people like Enzo, or if you want to blame that on like anybody else who he's ever given the ball to and he's felt like they failed him. But, you know, at some point, like you said, if you don't do something to establish new people, and I mean really establish new people, like you went half pregnant with the Nexus. You could have had eight new fucking superstars. Even at the very least, you could have had four. Or you keep having the Iconics job to Becky Lynch. But then get behind somebody. You know what I mean? And, and, okay, Braun. Fine. But you could argue that's because he's fucking six foot. Now all of a sudden he's six foot ten when he was six foot eight when he started. And you can argue that it's because he's six foot, you know, ten and three hundred and eighty five pounds. So I don't know what they need to do. It's weird too because like Lashley was a guy that you knew Vince liked and that he was behind. They fucked him up so bad since WrestleMania. It's a tag team specialist, Bobby Lashley, right there. Yeah, he should be the fucking guy who was built to take the belt off of Brock. Yeah, and this was the first week I sort of felt like they started to present him that way, making him putting him in the ring with Roman sort of made him feel more important. So hopefully they continue to, to roll with that plan um, because I think there's a lot there that they're not utilizing that they could. Um, but again. It, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn are there on the silver platter to be top heels on your show. You won't pull the trigger on it. Samoa Joe could have captured Money in the Bank, and he would have done an amazing fucking job with that briefcase. Didn't pull the trigger on it. Uh, Miz has been long overdue to be back in the heavyweight championship picture. Didn't pull the trigger on it. Won't do it. See, now that's a weird concept, too, because here you have a guy like Miz who, you know, he does all the media for you. He's established. He's, he's mainstream for the most part. He's got his own show on the USA Network. 
why aren't you trusting him with the ball to run with it? I don't get that at all. No, I don't either. And uh, it's one of those things that just will remain apparently a mystery. Um, but it's- I mean, you want to bury Samojo or you don't want to trust Samojo because he's had an injury history the past couple of years and he's a TNA guy and he's not in shape. I get that. You tell me why you don't have Miz. And, and I mean, that's the problem. Vince just wants to do the same shit over and over again. And it's making the product stale. It's making Raw unwatchable. I mean, I, I struggle to get through it. And just to keep up with the show, really, is the only reason I even bother. Ronda Rousey's one of the few interesting things to watch on that show right now. Well, now she's suspended for 30 days, so you can take the next four weeks off of but the, the I mean, the general <laughs> manager is, is booked to, to look like a buffoon. The announcing is just god-awful. Um, I think my favorite point from Money in the Bank, and we didn't even touch on it, is when Nia Jax has Ronda Rousey in a bear hug and she's squeezing the life out of her. And Coachman tells us, this might be exactly what Ronda Rousey needs right now. It's where she can get her. And Corey Graves with the line of the night saying, how are you even still employed? (laughs) Just the absolute best. Um, But yeah, Raw's an absolute shit show. But in general, it's time. They need to mix it up. They need to do fresh ideas. And people will sit there and point to Omega and Okada and say, oh, well, this is a three-year angle. It's a three-year angle where they had one match each year. I mean, they went off and fought other people and did other things. Cody had his whole, not Cody, uh, Kenny had his whole thing with Cody. And he had a thing with the Young Bucks. And he had his thing with Ibushi. And he had a U.S. title run in there. Like, there was a, they were doing a ton of stuff in between. Do you think, um, like, because uh, Vince looks at certain numbers, you know, if you look at the New Day, for example, like he looks at those merch numbers or Roman or whatever, and, and even AJ now to a point where he's on the cover of 2K19, and he just goes by that, like, oh, the crowd must love him because his merch is up. Because I don't get the notion of not trying with new people. Uh, like, don't you want to hit big? Like, don't you want to hit the lottery at some point? I mean, historically, Only if Vince it's has his been choice. slow. Vince has been slow to adopt anybody if you go historically. I mean, he went from Hogan... Took a year to get to Savage. Savage, we went to Warrior. Took a long time to go from to get Warrior from IC up to heavyweight, and from Warrior we went back to was it Sergeant Slaughter just to get the belt back on Hogan. So, I mean, this is actually not a new occurrence. But like I said last week's show, this reminds me of that sort of dead period, right before, right around the NWO time when. Everybody else was adapting and doing new things, and people were on the rise, and Vince refused to change, and Vince was presenting the same old, same old, and eventually people went, hey, there's this shiny new thing over here that I can go watch that's more of what I'm looking to get and and doesn't insult my intelligence. That's New Japan. That's Ring of Honor. That's all these indies that are making a name for themselves, and it's going to have to push Vince to make some sort of change. Troy, what's your thoughts on uh, WWE being same old, same old? Um, I do think something has to give because um, obviously with these these new deals, I think that Fox is a different animal than NBC Universal is. I think Disney that uh, right, that's true, and they are a different animal as well. Uh, they're a mouse, um, but also you you're probably going to have a lot more of them kind of butting in than NBC Universal would have. I think NBC Universal was just kind of like, well, just don't do any terrorist jokes, okay? And they're like, well, one a year. 
And they're like, all right, that's that's fine. Um, so I think with Fox, I think that if they start to see that the ratings aren't where they want to be, they'll probably kind of start pushing back a little bit on certain things, or they might ask for certain superstars to come over to the show or certain people to be in the, in the, in the spotlight. So I do think that might be the pushing point where we might get some better writing. Obviously, SmackDown is a better product right now than Raw is anyways, um, but Raw still, I think, has the better talent overall. So I, I'm expecting that, obviously, we'll get another Superstar shakeup at some point in time next year, which will change things up again. But yeah, right now, I do think that you're going to continue to see a, a little bit of dwindling in support and a little bit of dwindling in interest as you do start having more things like, oh, I, I really like these the, you know these guys in the indies, and um, they seem to be pretty popular. Oh, look, they're actually getting pushed to the top of the card. Oh, look, they're actually winning championships. Oh, look, they're not losing to a fucking 50-year-old guy who came back for, for three matches. Oh, look, they're they're not losing to a dude who wrestles five times a year. They're actually wrestling all the time, and they're really good. I'm going to go ahead and maybe not pay that much attention anymore to WWE because now I can go online. I can illegally download ROH, or I can I can watch it on Sinclair Broadcasting. I can I can find a stream of or, New or, Japan. I can just watch that shit on my fucking phone. Club or New Japan World. Ah, don't worry about that shit. Um, or or I can get this. Uh, uh, I can go go back and try to see what happened to that TNA stuff. I used to like that back before Hogan got in there. Let's let's see. Oh wait, never mind. Nope, it's still terrible. Okay. Um, maybe maybe I'll try. Maybe I'll try PWG. Hey, let's Big Cass is going to be their heavyweight champion next month. Big Cass is going to be the the fucking background vocals on the new Real One song, okay? <laughs> <laughs> they don't get along anymore. Well, I wonder why. Assholes don't typically like assholes. He took a shot at him when he got released, but that's okay. It's yeah. sort of like when Adam left the rundown. We just speaking, continue to take shots at him. <laughs> speaking of Adam, I want to give him credit. In the Nitromania podcast. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the rundown. <laughs> no, because it goes with your point too, Jason. Speaking of indie wrestling, Jason, what's going on down in the Ux Hall? <laughs> well, you can uh, come celebrate the fifth anniversary of Lucky Pro Wrestling when they return with Star Clash 5 on Saturday. No, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. You had mentioned that when the NWO came out, Vince refused to change until he got his ass beat about for a year straight. And... In the Nitromania timeline, you know, the NWO just debuted, and Adam was looking forward to seeing what Vince's reaction was on Did his Did you listen to last show. week's show when I made the same fucking point? Yes. Okay. But that's to your point, is that what you just said, Vince is too stubborn. Maybe, maybe something like All In... Or maybe the shows that New Japan is putting on in California this summer, maybe that will force Vince to say, hey, we're losing tickets. Houses are down. TV ratings are plummeting. Maybe we need to do something. But my problem is, is his idea of doing something is bringing back The Rock for a night or bringing back Shawn Michaels for a night. How long is it going to take for Vince to actually do something really different? Probably them dying. He won't. Until until the numbers go down, until there's something that's actually drawing attention away, until they're not getting $1 billion for a TV contract, until they're not selling out, until they're not selling out their souls to Saudi Arabia, until they're not doing giant things in cricket stadiums, that's when he'll start. But right now, for his purposes, the business is way up, so why change anything? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he just... 
he he just got this big TV deal, so in his mind, everything's going good, which is why the the booking has been so fucking terrible lately. Because when they when their backs are to the wall, they start putting on better shows. Their backs aren't to the wall right now. They just cashed in fucking huge. And it doesn't matter that All In's going to be televised on September 1st to them because they've got this big fucking deal. If all of a sudden they start getting fucking pushback from Fox or from NBC because, hey, your ratings are the lowest it's been since before we made this deal, we're going to gonna look at maybe pulling out of this deal, that's when they might actually do something. But I don't see that happening. I don't know. I, I'll tell you this, that the houses have been atrocious, and I can't imagine Extreme Rules is going to sell well. I don't give a fuck how many people you put in a multi-man match. If you have a 17,000-seat arena and you're struggling to sell 9,000 tickets, there's a problem. Yeah, but don't don't underestimate Vince's desire to stick it to the indies by continuing to do house shows because he's he looks at it as i pull those ninety thousand people away from watching fucking pwg that was right down the road from here so yeah don't don't put it past him to continue to do that just to stick it to the guys this is a guy who um you know the roh guy said they, they kicked him out of madison square garden so yeah they're gonna they're gonna continue to do the way that they, they, they do things I think the biggest question is, is will this show, which is 351 episodes deep, Two. continue to watch? Will well, we'll we bother? see. We'll see, because we're, we're one host quitting away from just being a one-man show, and that's not going to be a good thing. So, True. Um, which, which, you know, we might see. But speaking of, uh, you know, running house shows against uh, independent dates, Jason. What's going on, Clinton? Ah, well, once again, you can come celebrate the fifth anniversary of Lucky Pro Wrestling when they return for Star Clash 5 on Saturday, June 23rd at the Elks Hall in Clinton, Massachusetts. Tickets for this event are just $15, or you can get a four-pack for $50. Uh, doors open at 6.45. The live wrestling will start at 7.30 p.m. Already announced the street fight for the LPW Heavyweight Championship Retrosexual Anthony Green will take on the selfie-made man Vern Vicala with Jillian Lee. This is Vicala's rematch for the championship he lost. Uh, Scotty Slade and Mikey Webb will each be handcuffed to the LPW president, Jim Burgoyne, at ringside during that match. The and we LP- do know he is a touchy-feely guy, so enjoy that. <laughs> the uh, LPW Hard Knocks Championship will be decided between Randy Sean and D.L. Hurst, the title, of course, being vacant after... Uh, being forced to relinquish it by Brink, Brick Mastone due to an injury. The LPW Tag Team Championship will be online in a Four Corners match as the Horsemen take on the Bitter Club, take on Anthony Stone and Riot Kellen Thomas uh, versus the Heat of Ilya Markopoulos, Markopoulos and Christian Casanova. Uh, Jillian Lee takes on the Impact Knockout Alicia Edwards. Shea Cash takes on Channing Thomas. Sweatboy Christopher James with Danica versus Perry Von Vicious. Tickets are on sale now at the One Stop Shop in Clinton, Massachusetts or at LuckyProWrestling.com. Join them for Star Clash 5. I felt that, that flowed a little bit better because every, t- every time it kind of tripped you up on Alicia Edwards' name. Well, it tripped me up because I was waiting to see what you were trying to fuck with. So. Oh, no, I was trying to be helpful, oh. but I, I, understand, I understand your concern. Yeah. Um, because of the fact that we have a considerable fan base in North Carolina, Sal, what's going on down in Concord? Well, in Concord, PWX 
presents Dawn of a New Day at the Cabarrus Arena in Concord, North Carolina, June 24th. Doors are at 2 p.m., bell times at 3 p.m. Matches including for this card, round one of the 2018 Crockett Cup, the Ugly Duckling square off against the Carnies, Country Jack versus Tough Guys Incorporated, and a special PWX World Heavyweight Championship match between champion Ethan Case and Sammy Callahan. Man Scout Jake Manning versus White Mike. ITV Championship match Dennis Lockhart versus Chase Owens. Kurt Stallion versus John Schuyler. All tickets will also be available at the door. All right, well, Troy uh, having more technical difficulties, so I will take over and tell you that the stars of Bruce City Wrestling return to the Elks Lodge in Waukesha, Wisconsin, on Friday, June 29th. Bell time, 7.30 p.m. Doors open at 6.45. Tickets, just $20 reserved ringside or 16 in advance. Purchased on PayPal, $18 at the... I don't know, there's a lot of fucking numbers here. Just look them up online. Then you can stay in the Elks Lodge for the after party. Tickets go on sale June 1st, so you can't find the ticket info till then. Bruce City Wrestling World Heavyweight Championship in a triple threat match. The Tokyo Monster Kahangas defends against that defends his title against High Octane Onyx Andretti and Max Holiday. Bruce City Wrestling Women's Championship on the line as Lena Dioro takes on Blue Phoenix Vanessa Azur. The Bruce City Wrestling Tag Team Championship on the line as Hardcore Impact defend their title against the Axemen. Sean Priest versus Tyler Sullivan with Kevin Sullivan. I wonder if there's any relation. The Wanderer, A.C. Riley, takes on Luzur. Luzur, I get it. Okay, good. Uh, more fandom matches announced soon. Check out Bruce City Wrestling 1, the number one, I should say, dot com, at Instagram, at Bruce City Wrestling, Twitter, at BCW1, or on Facebook, at Bruce City Wrestling 1. Troy's still not here, so allow me to tell you that the River City Championship Wrestling returns to be a part of the Riverfest Lacrosse at 2018. Uh, on the North Stage Lawn in Riverside Park on July 7th for the best in live local professional wrestling action. Admission to the show included with your Riverfest button. Already signed, the heavyweight championship, the natural Chris Black takes on Kyle Roberts. Also scheduled to appear, City of Cross champion Aesop Mitchell, the fabled one former rundown sit-down guest, uh, apparently also appearing A.C. Riley, Colin Brooks, Derek St. Holmes, Coda Jacobs, and more. The ice, they're all I can do. I can do this one if you all want. All right, go for it. ICW returns on July 8th to the La Pica Lounge, otherwise known as the ICW Arena. VIP doors will be 2.30 p.m. Doors for non-VIP will be 3.30 p.m. with a bell time of 4. We open our doors in appreciation for the great ICW fans. VIP ticket holders will be able to interact with the ICW roster like never before. Ringside VIP strap $25, limited to 16 tickets, includes early entry, strap, and being a lumberjack who can strap the wrestlers in the match. Meet and greet plus a pizza Q&A. Get picks with the roster plus an exclusive VIP early match. Ringside VIP $20 includes early entry, meet and greet, plus I think I just read that. Second row VIP includes early entry, meet and greet, plus a pizza G. So there's all different VIP levels. The main event will be a lumberjack strap match. The hated one, Kato versus Dysfunction. Nice. ICW World Title Match, Ice Pick, Vic Capri versus the Greek franchise, GQ Giano. Giano. Giannis. Giannis. 
ICW Tag Team Title Match, Special Forces, Corporal Robinson and Blazing Benjamin versus Shoots and Wanderers, AC Riley and Shooter Marciano with Jason J. The feud rages on as the fabled one, Aesop Mitchell versus Midwest legend Derek St. Holmes. High Class Violence, Pitstain and Rock King versus Bear Kingdom, Juan Hernandez and Oso Turco. And an Anything Goes Street, street Fight at Psycho Chase McCoy versus Peter B. Beautiful. Also announced Straight Hatred, Zach McGuire and, Zach, and Jack Blackwell with Miss Hatred will be in action. The new ICW Midwest champion, the Marman with Dana Diva, have an intergender open challenge. Dustin Hoffman versus Hot Topic Tyler Baggins. Plus two to four matches will still be signed. And that is going to do it for this edition of The Rundown on Thursday, June 21st, 2018. It has been 12 days since CM Punk got his ass kicked. And allow me to simply say, fuck CM Punk. You can follow the show at Rundown Podcast on Twitter, on Facebook.com slash Rundown Wrestling. Feel free to email the show at RundownWrestling at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 617-863-6967. That is 61Rundown7. Also, we are on Patreon. Head over to Patreon.com slash Rundown Wrestling to become a patron. Currently, we have two reward levels, the Rundowner, which for $5 a month grants you one patron-only episode of the Rundown and Rundown Mania, which for $10 a month grants you guest hosting spots on any of our Rundown shows with the exclusion of the sit-down, if I ever get around to recording another one of those. Also, all patrons will receive early access to the shows, regardless of which level you are a member of. Uh, listen to our friends, the Kingpin, Brian Malonis, and Mike Crockett on the Wrestling Podcast about nothing. New podcasts every Monday. Check them out on Facebook at facebook.com slash the WPAN or on the WPAN.com. Check out our other friend, Justin Michaels, on his show, Yesterland Waltz on Tough TV. Go to toughtv.com to stream it live. Stay tuned to the Rundown Wrestling Podcast to hear all of our shows. NXT Revisited, the Rundown Sit-Down. Maybe. WrestleMania Salvation, Glow Shtick, and the Nitro Mania Podcast. You follow our hosts on Twitter. Follow myself at Jay Stewart. That's S-T-U-A-R-T. 0920 at Rockstar Troy. At WrestleMania Salami. At The Salzer Effect. And at Johnny Analog. Thanks to all of you for listening. Thanks to Sal. Thank you. And thanks to Troy, wherever the fuck he went. Uh, thank you for... No, I'm not going to thank myself for our theme song, but it is kick-ass. Next week... Uh, I'm not going to say that either. Try to try fills this out in advance. But next week, we're going to be back with another show, probably complaining more about the horrible booking on Monday Night Raw. We will see. But until then, we will see you next Thursday. Bye-bye! That was a horrible, horrible copy. I know. But I felt I needed to do it because he's out. He said he was done with the episode for tonight. He did say another host may be quitting soon. <clears throat> what are you doing next week? Yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> the Rundown Wrestling Podcast was created and subsequently thrown in a barrel and lit on fire by Adam Salzer. And it is produced and edited by Jason Stewart. This episode was hosted by Jason Stewart, Sal DeCheca, and some of the time by Troy Bozen. 
We are a member of the Questionable Endeavor Network, or are we? Check out all their podcasts and shows on questandnetwork.com, and tune in next week for an all-new episode of the Rundown Wrestling Podcast.